Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. It's a beautiful day here in Portland, Oregon, and welcome again to uh, another hour of our Veterans Podcast. I am your host, Josh Carter, CEO of Patriot Bootcamp, and with me, as always, is Carmen Nazario. How are you, Carmen? I am great. Good day, everyone. Yeah, excited to be back. Back to normal. Uh, both of us were out last week, but we're here this week um, and excited. I mean, we we have had, in the past few weeks, amazing guests on this show, people like Jen Pilcher and uh, David Molina, just some incredible guests. And this week is no exception. We have Matt Lembright, CEO and co-founder of Enabled Security on the program this week. We're going to get to him in a second, but uh, how are you doing, Carmen? I am doing great. I am um, glad to be back um, and looking forward to hearing about Matt's story. Yeah, I was out last week. In fact, I was with Matt last week in D.C. We did an event as part of Patriot Boot Camp, a little hackathon event, and got a chance to hang out with both Jen Pilcher and Matt Lembright. So really excited. So uh, without further ado, let's, let's bring Matt in. Matt Lembright from Enabled Security. How are you, sir? I am great, Josh. Uh, glad to be on the show. And Carmen, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to, to meet you over the phone as well. So, Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm intentionally leaving things a bit vague because, you know, throughout the next 45, 55 minutes, we're going to sit down and tell the story of Matt Lembright and Enabled Security. So I want people to, to really sit down and understand what the story is behind Enabled Security and, and what you're doing and yourself as well. So let's start with that. Let's start with Matt the person. Uh, you are an Army vet. Talk a little bit about that, that journey for you. What did you do in the Army? Sure. So, um, so I started. I, I, would, I did ROTC and, and went into the army after I got out of college. Uh, and I was an intelligence studies degree. So, um, as one as one might guess, I, I got in an intelligence uh, with the army as well. Uh, and so, my first assignment was uh, I was working at, out of Fort Bragg with the uh, 525th Military Intelligence Brigade, and we created what was called multifunction teams and these are essentially intelligence teams that did targeting and exploitation so we would we would go out and do raids uh in in baghdad my my area was eastern baghdad and we would go essentially find bad guys bad guys all day long which was uh kind of what i exactly what i joined the <laughs> army to do nice what 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 pro, like why that why so, intelligence what was the uh the precipice be, behind wanting to get into that Sure. Um, so I, I mean, man, I'll tell you, someone up above might, must be just watching out for me. But I, I really kind of <laughs> got the luck of the draw uh, on that one. Um, they, the, the concept was pulled from the special operations community, where uh, you know they would have te- uh, you know technologically minded uh, specialized folks that would go along with you know they call them the shooters along with uh, some of the cool guys and would do the technical on-site uh, exploitation. And so. The idea was that um, they were able to get so many good um, 
some good follow-on targets, some good leads from intelligence that way that the conventional army was looking at adopting that too, so that we were kind of the, the vanguard of that concept within the conventional army, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that have never seen a picture of Matt, he is the quintessential GI. In fact, I think you even have a GI Joe as your profile picture, by the way, uh, which is amazing. <laughs> you, are- I, you know, it's funny. I, that. That action figure, my friend found that at a at a department store in, in Ohio, where I'm from, and he's like, he took a picture of it. I'm like, why didn't you buy that? So I, I went out on Amazon and bought that myself. I'm like, this is. I have my own action figure now. So no, why not, right? you are a walking, talking, living, breathing action figure, my friend, and I appreciate everything about you. So, <laughs> talk about your—you know—you you got it. You went into the army. You went out and busted down doors, and uh, part of that incredible experience. But talk about like what was the process for you, thinking about what you were going to do when you got out of the military. Sure. So, um, so for that part, it's kind of like the rest of my army career. So. So after I got done doing doing that kind of uh, the tactical work, so to speak, um, I was uh, sent to a cyber unit out here uh, at Fort Belvoir, and I did some cyber work here in the in the Virginia area and also uh, in D.C. and Maryland as well. But um, um, you know, I, I took that and and was excited to kind of see what the civilian sector was right was like um, in terms of you know, the private world of cybersecurity. I wanted to, I had spent so much time doing cyber warfare. I wanted to see what the world of, of commercial cyber defense looked like. Um, so when I got out, I, I did that and, and got to have some really great experiences um, doing uh, cybersecurity assessments for really large companies, you know, global banks and hedge funds and large uh, health insurers and things like that. Um, and got to really, you know, get my eyes opened up to how, how big business does cybersecurity and protects their data. Um, but over the course of that, you know, what we really started to f- figure out, myself and one of my colleagues, was that um, the, the individuals, the small businesses, the sole proprietors, the entrepreneurs that are out there, um, they're, they're targeted as well. They're not, they're not specifically targeted, but they're, they're targeted in mass by, by cyber criminals and by, and by other nefarious folks out there on the internet. And we noticed that there's just a, a massive knowledge gap and a massive, um, also really services gap for a lot of these folks. There's, there's definitely, there was definitely a, a need and an understanding that they, that they needed to be more secure, but there was just this, this lack of, of kind of direction of where they needed to go. And, you know, we, we, kept seeing all these stories about small businesses getting hacked and, and going out of business and people's careers getting ruined just because they didn't know about, you know, how to make their password longer and store it securely or because they didn't understand what two-factor authentication was. And so it kind of broke our hearts, right? Um, and then you start loving on top of that things like, you know, uh, issues with the t- 2016 presidential election and Facebook and Equifax and all these large um, data privacy situations that people are, are really not well equipped to deal with just because cybersecurity has been so focused on big business for such a long time. And so, um, you know, coming from the Army, having a, having a mission of defending the American populace, we saw that there's this attack on on the individuals, on the smaller businesses of America that really kind of create what what we see as America in cyberspace. And we saw it under attack and we wanted to do something about it. We wanted to help out the folks that, that weren't getting the help, that weren't getting the education. And we wanted to bring that to them in a, in a digestible format because we know how technical cybersecurity can sound. It sounds intimidating, complicated, expensive. 
and it really doesn't have to be any of those things. And and we kind of want to want to turn the lights on in the cybersecurity industry to allow folks that aren't normally technically minded, you know, allow them that ability to kind of browse that that uh, ecosystem to find out what what's right for them. So Matt, are you is is your company more focused on small and medium sized business? Uh, it sounds like uh, prior to that you were working for large companies. And by the way, if we can digress a little, and can you mention uh, who you worked for? Sure. So um, so my previous job, I worked for a company called IronNet Cybersecurity. So. Uh, that was um, so General Alexander when he got done with his time at the NSA. Um, kind of had the same the same mission in mind uh, as myself, but on a larger scale, right? For some of the larger businesses, because you know even though the larger businesses can afford security, sometimes sometimes uh, the industry becomes stagnant. And so he wanted to mix things up, and and I was lucky enough to uh, to spend some time with him and, and go and work with uh, IronNet Cybersecurity. Um, and so, yeah. And to your point, yes, we are. We're primarily focused on the medium and smaller, smaller businesses because, just because of the um, the the uh, kind of gap in service, they're they're really underserved. They're really not as well um, engaged by the cybersecurity uh, market and, and sales teams that are out there. And so there's this, there's this gap that exists. And I think I think what we learned along our time in uh, during our time at IronNet uh, and, and working with some of these larger uh, larger enterprises is that um, there was well you know everybody's everybody's a little different right everybody's situation is a little different but there's there's so much commonality uh, that exists and we noticed that there's just this translation problem right there's a lot of these large companies are doing things that small businesses you know in in the essence of the of the concept can do themselves but they but they can only the only reference they have are these large companies and, and a lot of the there's a lot of dissimilarities when it comes to the application of it and so we kind of want to take them that 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 last little step and say listen we know this is how cybersecurity companies do it at, at larger scale but these same principles can apply to you in your everyday life yeah, that's uh, that's awesome, and I, I love the turnkey approach. Like you're really trying to to make this as approachable as possible. Um, who, who's your ideal customer for for this? Right. So our ideal customer is uh, a really good. I'll, I'll use an example of, of somebody that we we sat down and did, did some interviews with, and, and actually there's quite a few folks in this in this area. Um, but uh, psychologists and clinical social workers are a really interesting group. So. Um, they really kind of do. A, they really kind of represent. Uh, I call them like the solo professional, right? That is, they might have their own practice. So you know, you can think of like uh, some law offices are very similar to this, where there might be two or three partners, or excuse me, smaller uh, medical offices, certified financial planners, folks that that have a responsibility and obligation, and they know they and they their clients expect them uh, to do some due diligence in protecting their data. But they don't. They don't have the the um, ability, and they don't have the infrastructure to leverage large cybersecurity solutions. Um, and, and truth be told, there are a plethora of um, really cheap uh, consumer-facing cybersecurity tools that are perfect for small businesses that are kind of operating as one man, one woman shops. And so that's really kind of our ideal customer. That is. The person that um, you know has, has is running their own business and is running up against this this 
this daunting monolith of cybersecurity and are saying, well, I have to do this cybersecurity thing, but I have no idea where to start. It's not, it's not my area of expertise. Um, and so we looked at, you know, different models that we saw out there, you know, your, your legal zooms and your turbo tax and things like that, where, where, yeah, absolutely. There are accountants and lawyers out there that can help you, but when you're a smaller business, hiring a lawyer or an accountant right off the bat might not be the best solution. You need to first before you kind of make that kind of decision. And so we want to be that um, that non-threatening, uh, engaging place where folks can understand what cybersecurity means for them so that when it's time for them to make a purchase or, or hire somebody to come out and do some services, they know that it's right it's a right fit for their business size and their data protection needs. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, the, the as this world is evolving and as technology is evolving, you know, I don't think people really understand how important cybersecurity is. We just went through this whole thing with Facebook, and I know you guys have posted a number of blogs there, but what do you think is the, the, the next step for providers, especially for social media, that uh, where, where are they going as it relates to, to privacy, and what can regular Joes like myself uh, do to mitigate the risks that are inherent for social media platforms? Right, right. That's a great, you know, it's it's um <laughs> I can tell something is important when um when when many people ask me about the same thing. And so we actually I did a panel yesterday at General Assembly in uh in Washington DC and uh we actually talked about this exact same thing. Um and boy is it a tough nut to crack, but right. I think where a lot of this starts off with, right, is education. Okay. And I I always enjoy um <laughs> I enjoy analogies because <laughs> they usually work really well. My wife, my wife tends to get sick of them after a while because I, I tend to speak in analogies when I'm, I'm talking about my work <laughs> with her. But um, she's not on the podcast, so that's okay. right. Um, <laughs> right. So, but uh, a lot of this has to do with um, with us, right? The the citizenry, the the customers that are out there, and it really um, is an idea of education and ownership, right? Um, I think what a lot of us have not really kind of realized until a lot of some of the, like the Facebook scandal and the Equifax breach and things like that, OPM is another really good example, um, is that I think what people saw the internet as it's a facilitator, uh, it's something I can use, it's a tool. Uh, we're entering in the day and age where our, essentially our entire physical life is starting to be replicated digitally, mm-hmm. right? Our personas are, you know, people can spoof our entire personas uh, online with credit cards and stolen social security numbers and the list goes on, right? Um, underst- and having an understanding of that shift of, of where technology is going, um, that cyberspace isn't, isn't just a tool for, you know, business applications. It's really replicating our physical lives. Um, and so understanding that <clears throat> in a physical life, right, we have value, right? Like we have a house that has a certain amount of value tied to it, belongings, investments, all sorts of stuff that that make up kind of our, our net worth. And, you know, we can kind of ballpark what we're willing to spend to secure or insure some of that, right? We buy house insurance, life insurance, health insurance, uh, jewelry insurance, I mean, the list goes on, right? Because we understand the inherent value. And I think the issue that we're, we're running up against is that um, prior to the kind of the Facebook era, I don't think a lot of us understood that our, our personal data online um, really holds value, right? 
we don't we didn't necessarily see that value, but now we're starting to understand that Facebook definitely saw that value, right? Um, and a lot of these other companies really understand the value of our data. So I think uh, it's, it's incumbent upon us to kind of educate ourselves about what data about us uh, is existing online and what, what value that we assign to that. How much time, effort, uh, are we, and even money to some extent, are we willing to spend to secure what we assess as our digital net worth, uh, so to speak? And, and I think it comes to, you know, I said education, it's not just, you know, it's, the first step is understanding that our data does have value. Um, no matter whether or not we have a business or it's just us, but then understanding that we need to speak up and speak out to uh, our lawmakers, um, to some of these larger companies and say um, the lack of transparency that we've seen in terms of what, where our data goes um, and who has, who has domain over it and who can share it with other folks, uh, the transparency we've experienced at this point has, has been poor at best. Uh, and that we we demand more. Uh, this is our online lives that we're talking about, and I think we have a certain right to that. So um, the good thing with, with the Zuckerberg testimony, I think, um, that, that I pointed out last night at the panel, is that it, it's, a, it's kind of a, a good line in the sand for a lot of us to establish that um, the, this lack of transparency, the 40-page the user agreement, you know, written in, in legalese that nobody can understand except for, you know, a, a team of lawyers is no longer an acceptable, uh, an acceptable barrier to entry. Um, I think we're, we're entitled to more than that. Yeah. No, totally. And we've been talking to uh, Matt Lembright of Enabled Security. Matt, you mind if we, uh, we pay a quick bill? No, go for it. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, we're going to talk about CPA dudes for a minute. It's where accounting is never boring. I can attest to that. I have an accountant and, uh, you know, sometimes I just get this glossy eyed look on my face whenever they explain everything, uh, EBITDA and all that other fun stuff. So, uh, you know, their price isn't based on time. Customers decide the value uh, to them. And they don't charge for sending invoices and phone calls and emails and tags for meetings, which is great because I just usually just send an email to my CPA and cringe, hoping that I don't get a point for uh, whatever bill, right? So uh, they just get the damn job done, which is great. So you can find more information about CPA Dudes at cpadudes.com forward slash startup radio. So again, we've been talking to uh, Matt Lembright from Enabled Security, which is essentially cybersecurity for the rest of us. We've been talking about sort of the, the what people can do in this digital age to secure their identity. And what I find interesting, and I, I hope you can help me understand the difference between sort of uh, protecting your identity as, as sort of like a broad scope, right? There's other services out there that, that tout that they will protect your identity and will give you a million dollars or spend a million dollars to, to protect your identity versus what you guys are providing, which is sort of the cybersecurity. T- talk a little bit about the difference there and, and help me understand um, the value that, that is uh, inherent with enabled security. Sure, absolutely. So, um, so actually, um, we're... You know, it's funny. I had this I had this conversation with someone before uh, about you know cybersecurity writ large, and I think I think what we're we have a we have a problem right now. I think the industry is kind of the cybersecurity industry has kind of created this own or our own problem to some extent. And the problem is that cybersecurity is an extremely broad term, right. and as for as broad as it is, it still doesn't necessarily always uh, encapsulate all of the different aspects of what I, of, of what I view as cybersecurity, right? And really what, I think what we're talking about here, and I think this is why I've, 
cybersecurity is a word I use because it's uh, it's Googleable, it's hashtagable, everybody understands it uh, to some extent. They sure. understand the, the realm that we're talking about. But what we're really talking about is data protection, right? Because what we're talking about, whether it's our social security number, whether uh, it's our Facebook photo, whether it's our email, whether it's a file we have saved on our laptop, right? Uh, or honestly, um, and not to get too esoteric, but it's really even a piece of paper with a, with a social security number. All those, all those bits of information are data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kind of broadening the scope, and that's for our site, for example, we're looking at listing products like uh, identity protection that will do things like dark web scanning and things like that, um, which I can talk about a little bit later. But I think what we need to do is start start kind of opening the aperture of when we what we think about when we hear cybersecurity. Right? It's really the idea of protecting our data uh, digitally, wherever that might be. And so, you know, when you talk about identity protection and things like that, I think people tend to siphon that off because you start. It's really tied to credit. Uh, a lot, I think, and, and financial records and things like that. But um, I think what people are don't realize, and this is kind of what we're trying to bring, uh, the value you mentioned, kind of the value that we're trying to bring is one of the things that we learned in the Army, right, that I learned in the Army as an intelligence officer is tell me the so what, tell me the why, mm-hmm. what, what, what's going on, why is this happening, right? And so to that end, to kind of tie back to my previous point is that if I'm a hacker uh, and I'm trying to steal your identity, I'm trying to replicate your life, I'm trying to get something out of you so that I can probably cash out in some way, shape, or form, I don't care where that data comes from. I don't care if I'll look on Facebook, I'll pull up your credit uh, scores, I'll try to find your social security number off a birth certificate off a government website or wherever the case is. Right? I'll scour wherever I need to to create you to recreate you the best I can digitally so that I can do whatever I need to do. So I can get into bank accounts. I can get IRS. Uh, I can get IRS returns in your name. Um, so I guess what you have to realize is that hackers don't necessarily <laughs> have those saying, well, this is identity protection and this is data redundancy and that's cybersecurity. So right. those are different siphons. So I don't, they don't care. It's all data to them. Yep. And so I think the, the more we start to realize that, I think that's, that's um, going to be helpful. And that's, and that's kind of what we do at Enabled, right? Is you hear a lot of these stories um, and, and we're trying to kind of dispel the, the fear, uncertainty and doubt that has kind of been used in the cybersecurity industry to sell um, because it's not helpful. Uh, you, you start crying wolf so many times and, and scaring people. A lot of times they've they've given up. They told us they said ah, I'm going to get hacked anyways, and we kind of have to talk them off the ledge and be like, no, 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 it's okay. Like you know, they're not gonna, you're not going to have a legion, a platoon of a of a nation state trying to just get into your home network just to get just to get in and steal your family photos, right? Like that's that's not what they're after. But they might gain access to certain things that you have for other reasons, and that's kind of the intelligence aspect that we try to bring to it, but uh, kind of that that threat analysis that that folks don't always understand why. So, Matt, um, you you serve the small business community and and then the medium-sized business, but by way of what you've been sharing, it appears also that you potentially are also serving individuals, um, you know, who just use... Uh, computers at their homes, or either you're educating by way of doing workshops. Can you um, explain that to me? Uh, because 
people might be interested from home and saying, oh, okay, what should I be doing? Should I hire a consultant to come and scan my computer uh, to come and see if if uh, potentially uh, there could be penetration into my home system? Um, what would you say about that? Sure. So, um, so to kind of your first point, um, so yeah, so we, you know, one thing that we always kind of tell ourselves is, uh, at the end of the day, this is about helping people. Um, so if we're not, if we're not helping people, if we're not helping people get safer and protect themselves and we're, we're failing. And, and the other thing that we, um, that we stress too, is that, you know, we, we do help out small businesses and medium businesses, but something I tell a lot of folks is, you know, and this is this kind of goes back to that enterprise versus individual, right? Yep. Everybody, almost everybody, takes their cell phone into work, right? Mm-hmm. Businesses are made up of individuals, and those individuals have essentially their own little IT world in and of themselves. They've got cell phones and laptops and different accounts and things like that. So, we're, what we're really looking at doing is kind of a bottom-up cybersecurity approach. Um, so that small businesses understand from a strategic perspective of what they need to be concerned about, but also making sure that those individuals that they have working for them um, are are as protected as they can be because, you know, you're only strong as your weakest link. Um, and so for, yeah, so for the individuals that are out there, one of the things that we, we teach is that, you know, if you try to protect everything, you're going to protect nothing, right? A lot of folks, I think, get overwhelmed because they look at, they look at all the devices, they have all the social media accounts and email accounts that they have, and they quickly become overwhelmed. They say, how in the heck am I going to start protecting all of these things that I have? I don't even know how to encrypt my hard drive on my laptop, right? And so what I tell those folks is don't worry about it. Don't worry about all of those things. Let's, wor- let's worry about first about what you're worried about. Let's find out what your data priority is. Um, so that is, is a conversation that we have with a lot of folks is helping folks understand what data is important to them. Um, so I ask folks a lot of time, I say, what data do you have that if you lost access to it or if it were exposed to someone that you just, you didn't want it to get exposed to, how much trouble would you be in, right? Would that, would that affect your life? Would it affect your career? Could it close your business down? And I start to look through those different types of data sets, whether it's family photos, bank accounts, um, trade secrets, emails, contact lists. And we go through those different data sets and ask them, which one of these can't you live without? Uh, and that's a really good step to kind of orient folks so that they, they don't see this huge mountain of cybersecurity that they have to worry about, but they can start by the assets that um, that use the data that they're most concerned about. So I would say that's, that's probably one of the biggest things I tell folks out there. Um, and uh, the other thing is, uh, if this is my public service announcement, two-factor authentication. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what this is, it's basically the idea of kind of like, you know, if you've seen like Crimson Tide or whatever, right? And they're trying to launch the nuclear missile, you have to have two keys to turn at the same time to launch a nuclear missile. It's the same concept behind two-factor authentication where you have your password, but then you also have uh, a secret code that you link to that account so that you have to have your phone or another device to log into that account. Uh, and it is, I, I think what I, why I stress it so much is that people don't understand how, how annoying that is to a hacker. They'll move on. They'll move on to another account. And so um, <laughs> when I tell folks, when they, when they think of, when they hear about cloud accounts and their social media accounts is that, um, 
you got to remember that, yeah, you're trusting the company to secure it to some extent, but you're still required, you know, you, there, there are still controls that only only you have purview over. And so uh, two-factor authentication is one of those that's extremely widespread that, that everybody should be taking advantage of. You've been able to uh, grow this business pretty substantially and, and as a result, have a pretty good idea of, of sort of the data set that people are concerned about. Uh, of that data set, what, what do you think people are most concerned about as it relates to the things that are most exposed or, or at least most vulnerable that they want to protect? And, and how do you guys go about making sure that uh, you mitigate any of the anxiety they have about that? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, it's, I, I definitely would say it, it definitely does vary. Um, people are obviously concerned about uh, the money that they're that they have in the bank, right? That's always a that's always a primary concern, obviously. Um, and I would say, to a large extent, um, I th- and I think again, this is a symptom of of, of my industry, of the cybersecurity industry, uh, and which is why we we focus on data prioritization, but in, in relation to the client, because I think what you've seen, or at least what I've seen over the over the past uh, you know five to ten years within the cybersecurity world. Is is a lot of dictation. A lot of you should be worried about X, Y, and Z, right? And then they try to explain why you should be worried about it. And I think um, I think what people, what, what the conclusion that we're coming to is that people don't know. <laughs> people don't know what they're worried about. They just know that. I think they're, and this goes back to the kind of the data, the understanding of of where your data is at. I think people have a genuine concern that they have no clue what data is out there on them uh, and how it can be used against them. So that's that's probably the first thing that we, that, that's why we start with, with data prioritization. And so when we talk to a company that's, that's that has a lot of worry and has a lot of anxiety about how well they're locked down, uh, we start with where that, where their most important data is stored at, and then we work our way out from there. Um, so we identify the assets, uh, the, the networks, the devices, and accounts that either store, transmit, or create that data, and we build our way out from there. So that it gives them an understanding of, okay, we're starting at the most critical point for them to, to sustain operations. And once they understand, once they see those, the controls implemented, they can start with the anxiety that they have about, oh man, there's this, there's this, you know, a slew of devices that we have to worry about and all the social media accounts, um, starting with a, with a singular area, at least uh, narrowing it down to a couple uh, assets is, is really helpful for, mo- for most folks. That's awesome. And I, I love the focus, too, as far as, you know, trying to help people understand the difference uh, between, you know, all these diff- different variables that they need to be worried about. So it's going really well then, right, Matt? You guys are kicking it and just uh, doing amazing? We are. We are. We're, we're doing well. Um, there's, I've, I've been kind of, um, humbled. I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm glad that a lot of, we've gotten so much positive feedback about the cheat sheets that we do and a lot of the content that we produce, uh, and how it's helped so many people. Um, it's the messaging that we're getting back is kind of, I didn't, I never knew how easy this could be. Right. Like they, they see these cheat sheets and it's, I think that's what, what's, what's throwing a lot of folks these days is um, there's not a lot of commonality within, within the digital world, right? We have to search around for different settings and 
passwords and different logons and everything seems to be in a different place and there's no, not a lot of congruity uh, and so we're trying to provide that we're trying to provide that familiarity so people know what to look for when they when they when they go on the internet when they sign up for a new account uh, when they buy a new device they know it, they know the security controls that they need to be looking for so that's that's been a huge help for us and um, the other exciting part about you know kind of the way we're going and Josh I think we, we spoke about this when you're in the DC area we're we're actually um, actually excited about kind of our uh, our new endeavor that we're going to be setting out on as well, which is um, is really going to be focusing the DC cybersecurity market. Uh, we've noticed that you know in the area we've had we have lots of friends that have had their own um, cybersecurity startups in the area that do some really great services and assessments, and there's there's really kind of this this um, kind of unknown legion of cybersecurity defenders that are out there and, and willing to work. Uh, and there's a lot of unprotected small businesses in our in our area as well, especially that are have, have close ties to the federal government um, and uh, other nonprofits and things like that, which is you know of course near and dear to our hearts. So we're looking uh, at connecting a lot of those folks in our local area and and making that connection for them and, and seeing where that goes and and how that engagement with cybersecurity at that at that most crucial level uh, builds um, upward from there. So. Um, we're really excited about that, and uh, especially with with the timing too. We've got uh, Cyber Week coming up in October, and there's just a lot of really good events in this in the DC area that we're looking to be uh, looking to be a, a really good part of. So, yeah. It, it, so you're ba- sorry, go ahead. You're Come. based in the DC area. Yes, yes, we are. Yep, we have uh, one of our members is in the Austin area, um, but yeah, for the most part, it's uh, we're we're based out of. The, Excuse me, DC area. So. And Matt, you've um, mentioned um, throughout uh, the conversation, we, who is we, do you have a partner in your company? Yeah, so there's uh, there's actually four of us. Um, we've got, uh, one of them is uh, actually one of my former soldiers that uh, was with me in Iraq. Um, probably saved my butt a few times. Um, more, so, more so for me getting in trouble than anything else now. Some some minor trouble, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but um, and then uh, another one is a colleague of mine who's also uh, he's also a veteran and uh, a reservist as well, and he's up in the Maryland area. And then we've got a uh, uh, a young woman that we met out at uh, out South by Southwest who's uh, working with us out in Austin. So we uh, we have a really good uh, we have a really good mix of folks, um, and it's I think it's good that we've got a blend of civilian and, and military as well because. Um, you know, um, kind of getting away from the cybersecurity topic a little bit. I think, you know, I went to stand to, I think that was about a year ago with the George W. Bush Foundation. And, you know, one of the common topics is, is the translation gap, right, between the veteran world or the military world and the civilian world. Uh, and I think there's, there's translation issues on both sides. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of catchphrases and, and buzzwords within the, the civilian industry that, um, you know, that I think get tossed around and, and, and cheapened. But I think, you know, the military in terms of like adaptation and flexibility and things like that. Um, and I think the military really has done a really good job of kind of showing, showing a lot of folks what, what adaptability uh, and tenacity and duty and all those types of things really mean. Um, so I think uh, that education piece is exciting to kind of, to kind of see that happen. Um, and, 
I think it's I think it's good to kind of show people that it's you know veterans don't have to just work in their own veteran world. They can they can work with uh, and 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 really thrive with civilian members and leaders as well. So um, it's been exciting to kind of take that journey. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. This has been great. It's wonderful. Yeah. So we've been talking to Matt Lembright from Enabled Security. Uh, we're going to pay another bill real quick uh, and talk about Pork Bun Domains. You know, webs- uh, they do websites inter- and Internet commerce uh, for the rest of us. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to me. That these domains that we use really tell a story. They are, they are usually where people go to to figure out who we are. And so these websites, part of the domain is part of that. And so Porkbun uh, Domains has figured out how to unlock the, uh, just an additional component to that story and allow you to utilize your domain name that kind of fits what you are doing. So, if, for example, you have a design firm, you could just do .design. It's that simple. Who would have thunk it? So um, so anyway, if you are really interested uh, and uh, you want to get more information about Pork bun domains and uh, and figure out how you can use your imagination. You can find them at porkbun.com forward slash startup radio. You can tell them Josh and Carmen sent you. So we are we are sitting here talking to Matt Lembright, CEO and co-founder of Enabled Security, about all of these different things that encompass our lives that we put out there digitally that we don't really think about what we're doing to expose ourselves to this data, and and we've been talking about. Your location and and your focus around D.C., and I'm sure I'm stating the obvious but uh, by asking this, but why D.C.? Why is D.C. the center of all of this? Did we lose you, Matt? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, it helps that I live here. <laughs> yeah. but, I'm sure uh, that helps, um, but I mean, I mean, it just seems like cybersecurity yeah, yeah. overall is just seems to be a real focus there, not only from the legislature side, but from sort of this gray line between the military and civilian uh, firms that operate out there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, I think there's some really interesting things about the D.C. area that um, that have made it the kind of the hub of cybersecurity. Um, you, you kind of touched on one. Um, there's a lot of folks that have, you know, worked for a lot of different agencies around here. Um, and a lot of those folks, you know, to be, you know, Josh, you're, you know, I know you're a, you're a developer and I, for technical folks, you know, you don't, you don't stop at the end of the day. If it's something that you love, you know, there's side projects all the time, right? Uh, and so a lot of the, a lot of the folks that have been so talented in helping defend our nation with, with some of these agencies, you know, they're, they're looking for career changes, some of them, and, and to kind of take the creativity that they've been, they've been fostering in some of their side projects and, and kind of unleashing that and, and providing that service or the, those products for the civilian market. So that's a really exciting kind of opportunity that we see a lot, a lot around here. Um, the other interesting um, part is the educational aspect. So UMUC, um, uh, Georgetown, I know, has some interesting programs. There's a lot of really good education uh, and, and college-level college education that's going around in this, in this piece here. A lot of really good internship um, opportunities um, 
that are kind of it's 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 so localized and and the and the programs are set up in such a great way that it allows uh, companies like mine to leverage to leverage that talent uh, really well as, uh, in addition and i think i think what a lot of people forget about as well is that you know the dc area also kind of includes the 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 western area of virginia or the western nova if you will which is you know reston and tyson's corner and all that and there's that's kind of essentially where the internet started uh you still have AOL out there um, you've got Palo Alto Networks has an office. Microsoft is a large presence out there, and there's the list goes on. But there's there's some large players out there as well. So um, I think having that industry footprint in our in our backyard, so to speak, is is another contributing factor, especially to to kind of a lot of the events that uh, I think that was one of the things that I never really understood when I was in the military is how many free uh, and really engaging events that there are in the D.C. area. And they're, they're happening all the time, all types of year, all, all, all periods of the year. So uh, for all those reasons, it's really kind of a, a central hub. And then you mentioned kind of the legislative pieces. So the, the news aspect and the media aspect around cybersecurity in this area is, is uh, something that we, we love to take full advantage of. You know, it's kind of gives us a national platform by being local. Yeah, absolutely. I was just there, like you said, uh, last week. We did our event, uh, Vet Hacks, which is a hackathon. Uh, really remarkable, fun event, and it touched on a lot of different verticals. Uh, but it, it, it was fascinating to see um, just the different. I met Colonel Jen Saveda uh, there uh, as part as she runs this um, defense. Uh, something foundation, but um, she works directly with the Air Force Innova- Innovation Wing, which I didn't really, I knew that that was something that the Air Force was clearly working on, but I had no clue it was over there in Virginia and and uh, and all of these just different components um, that make up this incredible tech slash military, like I said, it's sort of like this gray area, these, these, these incredible uh, organizations and civilian groups kind of operate in all the same vein with the, with the objective of trying to find new ways to not only protect data, but, but be more agile. And, uh, and so it was a, a great experience. So I, I'm a big fan of the DC area, love it and hope to come back at least once a quarter. It was, it was also great to see you, man. Yeah, absolutely. It was good seeing you too. Yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoyed uh, my time at Vet Hacks, and uh, it was it was always good to see you and the rest of uh, the rest of the Patriot Boot Camp community and, and some of the other veteran communities. And you know, it's one thing I wanted to I wanted to touch on that you said too yeah. is that I think I think what a lot of folks don't understand uh, either uh, that is extremely encouraging. <laughs> like I, I can't I can't underscore extremely any more than this, but. Um, <laughs> is the fact that a lot of government agencies are understanding, like you mentioned, the importance of innovation. Innovation hubs. Uh, so you've, a lot of folks out there have probably heard of InQtel, but I think uh, 18F uh, is the DOD's uh, version of that. There's yep. just a lot of really good uh, hubs for innovation, um, and, you know, not only for the government, but, uh, you know, for nonprofits and things like that, too. So uh, yeah. it's good to see that, that um incubation, if you will. So what's next for Enabled Security? Where do you see this going in the next five to 10 years? Right. So good, good question. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away in terms of our roadmap, but um, what I will say is this, is that, you know, I had a conversation with someone yesterday um, and I, again, I I know I'm loving kind of a lot of attacks on on my industry, so to speak, but um, I think I'm doing it for a purpose because I think I think the tone of conversation needs to change, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll explain what I mean. Um, I, you know, working with working with tech folks, right? Um, 
there's there's an elitism I think that we can all acknowledge exists, right? There's this, well, you don't understand what I do type thing, right? And a lot of it has to stem from a you know communication, right? A lot of folks who do technical work don't always know exactly how to articulate what they do because they're so intent on being an expert at what they do. The communication thing isn't necessarily part of that. It's not a part of what their paycheck is, and that's understandable. Right. But um, I think what we run into is, you know, I have a lot of folks come up to me and they go, well, I'm dumb. I'm, I'm a dumb tech user. And, I'm, and I, I immediately stop them. I say, stop. You're not dumb. You're just not. Like, you wouldn't be talking to me if you're a dumb person, right? Like, you, you care, you're engaged, and you know enough to be concerned about it. And I tell them, it's like, you know, when you need a lawyer, right, and you go and hire a lawyer, you don't necessarily consider yourself dumb because you're not a lawyer. You don't you don't consider yourself dumb because you're not an accountant and you have to hire an accountant. And um, I think what people don't are, are really are not understanding now is that Google is right now in terms of their their technological footprint. Um, I mean, let's well, let's, I'll ask I'll ask you, Carmen. So, how, so in terms of like devices that you have, how many? Phones and laptops and desktops and tablets. Do you think you might have uh, in my in my in my business, right? So yeah, we have about. Well, it's kind of. Um, I, would, I would actually. Is, I would actually ask. Oh, sorry. Personally, in my home, you mean? Yeah, personally. Yeah. Yeah. So I yep. probably have. I don't have a lot. Um, I I uh, have maybe in terms of devices. Five. Okay, and then Phone, if you had iPad. a ballpark, maybe. Yep, yep. Uh, and if you had a ballpark, maybe how many email and social media accounts that you that you have? Um, I don't at the at this time. I'm not doing a lot of social media. I just have Facebook. Even though uh, we do have a couple of, we have Twitter. Uh, and a face uh, book page also for the company, but um, I mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of social. Personally, I don't do a lot of social media. I'm too busy running my business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It becomes your life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so, you know what I tell folks is that you're so you're looking at what probably five devices and probably probably a few accounts, right? Yes. Right. So, so I think what you what we what we have to realize is is that that's what a small business or even a medium business that would be their entire IT footprint. You know, ten twenty years ago. I mean, we're we're starting to become our own IT departments. Right. Individuals have multiple devices, mm-hmm. multiple accounts, and back in the day, you'd hire a chief information officer to handle a lot of that for you, and. I don't know about you, but I can't hire my own chief information officer. So what we really want to do is, is help the individual, help the small business owner, help the entrepreneurs out there really have a solid understanding and overview of what their entire digital security footprint looks like. And that's kind of where we see cybersecurity going um, in terms of uh, awareness uh, and, the, and the engagement that we've seen within the 
you know, kind of the individual and small business community. But I think that's, I think that's what's required. If we don't have a good situational awareness, as we used to say in the army of, of where our assets are and how well they're protected, I don't think we can really fully ever feel confident that our most prized data is going to be protected when we need it most. Yeah, that is really uh, revolutionary when you think about that. Um, and uh, it, it sort of kind of piggy banks on, I had a, a follow-up question in terms of even in my own business, I have an IT consultant that comes supports our network. But one of my questions as a small business owner, and I, I felt that perhaps even in the audience they might be other business owners is at what point would I want to consider uh, services um, outside of my IT consultant uh, in terms of making sure that we are uh, able to um, uh, not sustain uh, some cyber attacks. Right, right. Um, great question, and this is actually something I, I was talking with somebody yesterday about at the panel as well. Um, so, you know, like, again, the first step, I think, is, is really helping that small business owner understand from a digital aspect what, what they're most what they're most worried about protecting, what's, what's the most valued uh, data that they have. So, you know, if it's an e-commerce, I'm talking about a company that's primarily uh, an e-commerce site, uh, that website, right, that's their storefront. That's their moneymaker. So that's a, that's a quick and easy uh, understanding. For, for other companies, it might be a trade secret that they're trying to protect. So that's, that's really where we start off with a lot of that. But when it comes to this, this, the IT versus cybersecurity um, discussion, it gets, definitely gets tricky, right? Because the IT folks, you know, they help you, they help you set passwords, they help you get logged in, they help you reset accounts. There's, there's definitely some bleed over, but um, to kind of help Folks understand the difference between uh, someone who does, who's someone who does IT work, um, and someone who actually does cybersecurity. You know, I, I tend to use I, I use another analogy, right? Um, you know, in Virginia here, right, with the the Virginia Department of Transportation, VDOT, right. And I tell folks, I say, well, VDOT. You ever see VDOT getting in a high speed chase with someone? Do you ever see, you know, VDOT, you know enforcing a speed limit or, or pulling anyone over. And people are like, well, no, they, they set up and maintain the roads so that we can drive on them effectively, right? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what IT folks do, right? They, they build in functionality and operability so that we can use the, uh, the super speed highways of the Internet, right? Um, and where it really comes, that's where you need the cybersecurity folks because the IT folks are focused on functionality and keeping things up and running. And a lot of times that can kind of conflict with the concept of security, which tends to slow things down and provide more barriers. Um, but that's where small business owners have to find that right balance for whatever risk appetite that they're, that they're willing to take on. So, you know, for the, for the small business owner that's starting to think about cybersecurity, then it's, it's the right time to start looking for a cybersecurity consultant. And I think, um, you know, my one word of advice for folks that are out there who are going, well, I don't know, that sounds, sounds pricey. It sounds a little expensive. You know, I'm not entirely sure if I'm ready for that. Most really good cybersecurity firms are happy to do a, a free assessment with you. And, and granted, that's their foot in the door, you know, for further on sales. But I think doing that helps, helps small business owners gain perspective 
uh, on that digital footprint that they have. It helps orient their mindset to saying, okay, now at least I know what I'm dealing with in terms of my digital assets, and I can start to prioritize that. We might not spend, you know, we might uh, we might limit our budget on cybersecurity towards what our most important uh, data sets are, and that's the right place to start. So um, if, if you're starting to feel overwhelmed with, with being able to protect your digital assets, that's probably because it's, it makes perfect sense. It's, it's too much for you to handle. And so that's the time that I would, I would suggest talking to a cybersecurity consultant. Yeah, and part that's of it is... excellent, Matt. And I, I want to commend you because I did go to your website and I did see those uh, sheet sheets. And, I mean, that is a free public service. And I think that's uh, uh, excellent information that you are just giving out uh, for companies and individuals to consider. So uh, you'll probably be hearing from me uh, in the future. And I think um, people, you can service anybody remotely in terms of your services. Correct, yes, right? That is the goal. That is the goal. Yeah, that is our goal is to try to scale the the everyday cybersecurity kind of framework that that most people can adopt because I think one of the things that kind of was I would say a large catalyst um, for for us kind of going off on our own is I was so tired of cyber, hearing cybersecurity experts respond with it depends. I'm like <laughs> I get it, right? Like when you're talking to like larger corporations, global global entities and things like that. Yeah, sure. Things start to depend at that level. But for the small business owner, for the individual, there's so much commonality. It can't depend every single time. And so we're trying to really kind of bring that comprehensiveness and that repeatability to um, to everyone. So. Absolutely. And Matt, thank you uh, so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you online? Sure. So, um, so if you're looking for the company at ENABLD on Twitter, uh, it's a great place to find us. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well on Facebook. Um, I'm at Matt Lembright on Twitter. Um, so one thing I want to point out to folks is that the content uh, that we provide folks, whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, me doing a live tweet of, of Zuckerberg's testimony on Twitter or whether it's a tutorial video that we post on Facebook, um, one thing I want folks to know is that, um, yeah, it's for us to get our brand out there, but we, our, our mission is that none of the content, every, every piece of content that we put out should have immediate value to you. And so we try to provide commentary and interpretations on, on different news, uh, news topics that you might hear when in relation to cybersecurity and data protection. Um, and we try to, uh, to, to answer the questions that, that folks have. So if you do have questions, please ask us. We're, um, we've also done a couple episodes of a podcast called uh, Keep Calm and Cyber On. Um, so we're, we're looking to rejuvenate that in the near future once I get a little bit more time uh, scraped together. And that's, it's a good opportunity for us to kind of collaborate with um, some, uh, some larger, uh, larger cyber entities uh, and, and some folks that we have and are friends with in the, um, in the public sector and defending uh, cities and, and some of their townships and things like that. So. I love it. I love every time we bring on some Patriot Bootcamp uh, entrepreneurs like yourself who are doing some remarkable things. And uh, man, I I can't thank you enough for not only coming out to the Vet Hacks and and supporting, but uh, but for coming on this this uh, this week. I know it was last minute, and I I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, You Matt. It was uh, yeah. 
Cool. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. You've been listening to the Startup Radio Network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Listen, learn, and get shit done. See you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.